I have never really explored my own relationship with power until I was in a position of not having any power at all. And that's with these investor meetings. And so at that point, for me, instead of actually taking a step back during those meetings or after those meetings and figuring out what went wrong and how can I claim that power back, I played the victim and realized, okay, there's nothing I can do. Instead of me taking control of the role I play in changing my circumstances, I dwelled more and more and more into becoming more of a victim as opposed to a change agent in my own life. Let's make sure that you know and you're self-aware of your own relationship with each of these themes. Come on this journey with me. Each week when you join me, we are going to chase down our goals, overcome adversity, and set you up for a better tomorrow. Fasten your I'm ready for my close-up. Hi, and welcome back. I'm so excited for you today. It's so rare I have one of my real friends on the show. But today, Aman Ubu, she's an American entrepreneur, author, published scientist, and national beauty pageant winner. We're going to get into that. So if you're cringing right now, don't. She won the title of Miss New York United States and was second runner-up at the 2015 Miss United States pageant. Aman was awarded the Women's Advocate of the Year Award in 2019 in Dubai and has been featured in Harper's Bazaar, Cosmopolitan, Forbes, Fortune, Vogue, everything. She's founder of Sway Media, leading publishing platform aimed at championing female thought leadership. By providing access to editorial and writing support, as well as a supportive community of like-minded women. I mean, I'm going to go on and on about her, but I have to tell you, she was named one of the female entrepreneurs to watch in 2018 by CIO Magazine. Same year, Aman was a keynote speaker at Harvard and MIT. She was the first ever Face of Morocco ambassador, a new initiative uplifting female voices in Morocco and the Middle East. And she was also part of the first all-female judge panel at Miss Universe 2018 and judged Miss Teen USA, Miss Earth, USA, and other state pageants. And now she is the author of The Glass Ledge. Aman, thank you so much for being here today. Yeah, thank you for having me. I'm excited to finally be doing this podcast. I remember how much fun we had when you were on my podcast a couple of years ago. So this is going to be fun. Oh my gosh. All right. So let's get started. And I want to jump into the pageant thing first, because for me, I used to be one of those people that would be like, oh, she's a pageant person. Oh, how ridiculous. You know, oh, she's too pretty, too perfect. That's such BS, putting wrong emphasis on looks. That's what I used to, you know, wrongly think until you became my friend. So can you tell us a little bit about the pageant life and what pageants really mean and and why they are so positive and impactful? Yeah, I was one of those people that thought the exact same thing. And honestly, I only went into it because my mom pushed me into, quote unquote, getting more in touch with my feminine side. So I kind of, you know, had to please her at that time. And, you know, I went along with it. She went through so much trouble to sign me up and I was accepted. So I was like, fine, I'll try this out. And I had the exact same perspective as many people. You know, it's shallow. It's a lot of just a bunch of pretty girls walking around on stage. It's not very substantive. But I, I tell you, it was a very surprising and shocking experience for me because I had never really felt so empowered to be the best version of myself until I competed in my first beauty pageant back in Colorado in 2013. And that was also my very first time encountering this environment where women are supportive of each other, even though they're competing for the exact same thing at that same time. And Up until then, I was obviously in college. I never even dared 
to rush for a sorority or even have a lot of girlfriends around me because I just never felt that kind of support system from the girlfriends I had prior to that. I was never a girl's girl. And I, I just was terrified of being like in a room full of beautiful, competitive and smart women because I would just get insecure right away. But there was something very different about being part of the pageant world because I think you are also trained to show up as a different version of yourself, one that is secure with herself, self-assured, wants to see other women succeed, someone who also knows who they are and are very self-aware and they know what their values are, what they would want to do with that title, how are they going to show up as a change agent in the community if they do get that title. All of this stuff isn't really talked about enough when we dress pageantry. And I think it's a little bit of the media's fault, but also it is what we're shown on TV. You know, on TV, the competition is mostly about how you show up on stage, how you look, you know, your fitness, your body type, and then your gown. And then there is that one stage question that is often asked and a lot of women sometimes feel the pressure and it's not the best answer you would expect. But you have to understand that that's a very nerve wracking position to be in. So it's not a reflection of the person's intellect. You know, I think anyone going up on that stage, especially if they haven't done it often, would sometimes mess up. But I think for me, it was what I fell in love with the most about pageantry and outside of just competing and wanting to win because I love winning is, of course, changing myself and bettering myself and having something to look forward to that I can showcase my best version that I worked for for so long. Oh, it's so true. And and because of our friendship and because of your support, I ended up judging one of these contests and it was an incredible experience learning how hard these women were working, number one, how they were all supporting one another, the same, you know, that you just described to us. And it was such a powerful and positive experience. So yet again, you know, just stereotyping the way all of us do in some way, it's so fun to open your eyes to the possibility that something is very different. And I'm really grateful that you did that for me. So thank you. And it's funny to hear you talk about a time in your life where you didn't have supportive women around you when you've built so much of your success around supporting other women. And that's really how you and I came together. So can you talk us through how that journey changed for you from being one of you kind of out there on your own to you building community around supporting others? Pageantry really was the vehicle for me to realize that I do want to build some kind of platform that brings women together And when I won the title of Miss New York US in 2015, you know, you usually pick a platform to have as a title holder. And for me at the time, I chose women empowerment and women's entrepreneurship. And so that's, again, why I launched a podcast shortly after to really be able to bring those stories to light and really tell stories that weren't necessarily prioritized by mainstream media, but they were important in inspiring the next generation of young women who might be feeling a little lost, which I was at the time. You know, I think when I won Miss New York in 2015, I also was a science communication specialist. I was a scientist on, that that was my day job. And to me, I was kind of living this double life a little bit because by day, I'm like this nerdy scientist who's also like helping all this biotech emerging startups to translate their technology and their science into words people without a science background can understand. 
And then by night, I'm like doing appearances uh, on the red carpet with Vera Wang and all these celebrities and things. And it's just like people look at me like, wait, you're a scientist? That's your job? And you're Miss New York? How come? Like, what's the connection here? And I just, I never really expected for people to be that surprised by the multidimensional facade I had. And it's like, oh, what? I, just because I'm a scientist, I can also be a, a Miss New York or a title holder. But I think, you know, people think that if you're doing pageants, then you automatically are a model or do you want to be in entertainment, which is not always the case, especially not today anymore. But prior to pageantry, I didn't really have the women's support. I mean, in college, even growing up, I, I don't think that I ever was able to build healthy friendships with girls or young women. I'm not really sure what it was. Maybe it was also insecurities that I was struggling with that I, you know, I'm now learning how to process properly and overcome. But the platform that pageantry gave me was ultimately what led me to kind of build up on that and create kind of a similar world to what I experienced in pageantry, but in the media and a platform like Sway, where those stories come together in one under one roof. Because I think when I was first kind of navigating the pageant world, what I loved the most is hearing other women's stories that were competing with me. And that wasn't something that made me insecure. If anything, that was something that made me empowered and excited. I was like, wow, I'm in the same room as all these awesome women. So that means that I also, I'm awesome. Like, you know, it's kind of being surrounded by great women who also want to see you succeed. I'm like, I don't see that. How do I replicate this experience in the real world? Because when I was in STEM, it was mostly men. It was a very male dominated world, you know, and I didn't really experience that kind of women's support in my day job. So ultimately my goal with Sway was a little bit selfish and with the podcast is I love this feeling. How can I continue replicating it even outside of the pageant world, even after I'm retired from the pageant world, I want to continue having this family of women around me that continue to support me and also show me what's possible. And so that's ultimately what I ended up doing. And, And again, meeting women like yourself. And I was a little bit surprised too, that it was met with a lot of excitement because I think my first initial instinct was that, you know, not a lot of women would want to come together and help each other out, you know, and this was, you know, 2014, 2015, a little pre me too movement, pre women's movement, but I was excited to see that I, maybe I created that platform in the right time as we were all kind of taking our voices higher and higher and elevating each other, whether it's uh, in the workplace or in personal lives. And it was just the perfect timing. Share with us something that I'm very familiar with, which is some of the challenges that you dealt with in launching Sway and growing Sway. I think the biggest challenge was just access to resources. Obviously, I was very lucky to have a lot of the initial women in my network invest in the opportunity and wanting to be part of it and help me at the pre-seed level. But again, those checks were smaller and only can go as far. So when I was getting ready to raise my official seed round, like a normal startup, especially with all the traction we were, we were getting and the brand we built and the community that's around it, and also the mission that we really set for ourselves, I didn't really think that we would have that much of a hard time getting investors to be excited about the opportunity. Because also remember at the time, a lot more VCs and investors were committing to investing in more women forward, more women driven and female forward initiatives. So I was like, perfect, great timing. I have it all. Let's do this. To this day, (laughs) it still has been challenging for me as a founder and just for the company to really land that big seed funding 
that would really make us just worry about the operations and the growth as opposed to being scrappy, that scrappy, you know, startup we've always been. And a lot of the times for me personally, going to investor meetings as a young female founder at the time when I started first fundraising, I was like 24, 25 and on the heels of my beauty pageant success, that didn't really help. A lot of the investors were men and, you know, much older. And I think kind of with the outdated preconceived notions of what a a person like me is capable of or not capable of in that case. And so I was met with a lot of, you know, inappropriate comments. The focus was more on, on my appearance. And sometimes when I try to tone that down because of the previous comments I've gotten, people be like, wait, you showed up in flats today? Why? Like, that's not okay. You know? So there was always like a comment around what I'm wearing, what I look like, uh, the fact that I, I'm dormant in New York and it's not a good thing because people can't take me seriously. It was a lot of noise that I was not prepared for because all I was trying to do is here's a great business. The opportunity is here. The numbers are here. That's all we need to talk about. Why are we distracted by other things that don't have anything to do with what I'm here for? You know, don't ask me out for dinner. Let's talk about this business deal at the conference room we're in right now. So it was a very, and you know, I was young. I didn't know how to really react to that. And I think what ended up happening, and this is again, what I talk about at the beginning of the book, is that I internalized a lot of that. That became my truth. That became my narrative. I became kind of also defensive and aggressive and just angry. And that's not really my nature. I was already like, before I would even go to meetings, I would anticipate the frustration that, you know, the the comments that are going to be, you know, that I'm going to be met with. So it was just, I think it affected me a lot more than I had realized at the time. And ultimately that led me to get in my own way and kind of start, adapting strategies and behaviors that didn't necessarily help me much because I was scared of this notion of power imbalance. And I just was like, I'm not good enough. I don't think I'm going to be ever taken seriously. It was just, you know, all in my head at that point, even when I had some positive comments and stuff, it was hard for me to believe that. And it was hard for me to even visualize what success looked like anymore because I was so sucked into this echo chamber of victimhood. And so that was really challenging. And I think it took a lot of self-work for me and a lot of almost cultivating an uncomfortable sense of accountability to overcome that stage I was in and almost like rebuild myself from the inside out to become this new woman before I go out there and set up to continue growing my business and rebuilding it in a much healthier way. So of course I ended up focusing on building my business as opposed to go and raising money, which maybe it was a good thing for me as well as being able to really, or being forced to be more creative and more scrappy to actually generate revenue as opposed to always chasing funding, which we were able to do. And then also it was, it was something that pushed me to be more creative and more focused on the business itself, as opposed to constant outside validation from investors cbdistillery.com is giving you an exclusive offer and it's huge right now. You can get up to 30% off everything. If you've struggled with sleep, stress, or pain after physical activity, cbdistillery.com 
has a targeted plant-powered solution just for you. I love hearing how many of you have seen improvement in your daily life, thanks to CBD. So if better sleep, more calm, and relief from discomfort after physical activity sounds good to you, you should explore CBD. Don't miss this massive sale and get up to 30% off your order. Visit cbdistillery.com and enter VIP. That's cbdistillery.com and enter VIP at cbdistillery.com. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, and South Dakota. When I started podcasting, an online store was the furthest thing from my mind. Now I'm selling my group coaching on the regular and it is just so easy. All because I use Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business from the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to, did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soaps or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling. Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort, thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI powered all-star. I didn't know what I was going to do when I got fired. Launching my own business seemed so intimidating. I didn't know how to set up a website and I really didn't need to. Shopify does it all for you and they make it so easy. It was that breakthrough moment for me that I realized I can do this. I can go to work for myself. Thanks to Shopify. What I love about Shopify is you don't need to have all this technology information ready to, you don't need to know how to plan and run things. You just need to go to the platform, turn it on and know what you're selling. And Shopify is going to help you figure out the rest. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's and Brooklinen and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries, including your girl right here. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash Monahan, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash Monahan now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash Monahan. No matter what stage you're at, they're going to make it easy. Are you tired of the stress and chaos of live launching? Who isn't, right? But if you've tried going evergreen, you know that's not the solution either. Hello, low conversions. So what's the answer? The circuit sales system is designed to make sales for you every single day while giving your audience all of the excitement of live launching without you ever having to live launch again. What would increasing your current yearly revenue by 40 times look like for you? Okay, nobody's making any income guarantees here, but that's exactly what Nikki did for her business when she developed her circuit sales system. The circuit sales system is the automated system that combines the best of both live launching and evergreen with none of the worst. Think high conversions and high predictability without the chaos or risk. Get the free 
on-demand video training at circuitsalesystem.com slash confidence. Get the free on-demand video training at circuitsalesystem.com slash confidence. Why in the world would you then want to write a book? I'm so curious about this. Look, I've always wanted to write a book. That's, I think everybody wants that. But I was lucky in the sense that when I was going through this time, tough time, rock bottom, I call it, there was an article about me on Forbes about rejection and especially like being part of the female founders that struggle to really get access to that funding. You know, only 2% of venture capital funding goes to women. So it's a very low number. So I'm not the only one. And I know a lot of women are going through it as well to this day. So there was an article that I was mentioned in and an agent saw that and they, she reached out to me and you love this because she's like, why don't you think about writing a book about confidence? And, you know, she reached out to me at my rock bottom, as in like, I had zero confidence at the time. <laughs> like me, a confident, no. I'm like, plus I'm like, I know my friend, she's much better at this. And like, I'll leave her be the expert at confidence because she truly is the confidence mm-hmm. queen. But I'm like, I don't think that that's, that, I'm like, I'm, I'm open to writing a book, but confidence probably not the subject I'm an expert in. I could write as part of the book, but it's not all. And so what I told her was, look, I have probably a lot of self-work to do myself before I think I'm in a good place to write a book or give advice to other women, because I myself right now, I'm struggling a little bit to find my way out, out of this devastating, I would say, fail at the time, but I know I'm going to get out of it. And I feel like that that's going to be a much better story to tell because I know I'm going to uncover a lot of lessons along the way of rebuilding myself and rebuilding this business in a way that's sustainable. And maybe we'll check back in in a couple of years and then see if there is a story there, if I made it out alive and maybe there's some <laughs> lessons to share. And so, yeah, that's exactly what happened in 2020. We kind of reconnected and we talked a little bit about my journey leading up from the moment she reached out to the moment we reconnected and I told her about just what happened and all the kind of tactics and things I had to unlearn and learn along the way to be in a better position to build my business and not let the outside world and external barriers become kind of a burden on who I am. And that's kind of how the book really conceptualized. So we talked a lot about how I was constantly trying to break glass ceilings. And that was kind of like my journey. I was out there trying to break glass things, but I what I didn't realize that I was also teetering on a glass ledge, which to me is a representation of self-imposed glass ceilings. And I'm like, that's what I really want to talk about more in the book and just what I want my message to be, because I had realized that during my fight for women empowerment, I had actually became disempowered myself. And a lot of that was because of the self-imposed glass ceilings I was putting in place for myself without really realizing it. And that's really what I want to shine the light on. And that's how the book came about. (laughs) Wow. So it's so full circle. I I love that idea of that real glass ceiling being the one that we put on ourselves. It's so accurate, number one. And not talked about very much. So share with us some of those lessons that readers will learn from the glass ledge. Yeah. So I think, so the way I I structured the book is in 10 chapters. Each chapter has its own theme that I kind of dive deeper in using my own personal experience. And some of the examples are power, likability, appearance, which we talked about um, also relating to both discrimination and also Coming from a world of pageant, expertise, confidence, uh, which I definitely, you're part of it as well. Conflict, 
conflict is a big one for me because I just didn't know how to address conflict and I would shy away from it and run away from it as opposed to being comfortable with that concept and finding my balance with it. And then same thing. I think a lot of the chapters that I, you know, the way I outlined the chapter is not to go one way or another, but rather figuring out what your balance is when it comes to that theme. So power, for example, I had never really explored my own relationship with power until I was in a position of not having I don't know, any power at all. And that's with these investor meetings. And so at that point, for me, instead of actually taking a step back during those meetings or after those meetings and figuring out what went wrong and how can I claim that power back, I just kind of played the victim and realized, okay, there's nothing I can do. You know, the world is unfair. It's unfair that they treat me that way, which is true. It's unfair. But instead of me taking control of the role I play in changing my circumstances, I kind of dwelled more and more and more into becoming more of a victim as opposed to so a change agent in my own life. And so that's kind of what I make sure in each chapter is let's make sure that you know and you're self-aware of your own relationship with each of these themes. Same thing with likability, right? I think for me, when I started a company at such a young age, my biggest thing was to be liked by my employees by my community, by my investors, instead of actually putting my foot down when I needed to and demand respect. And so my relationship and my understanding of the theme of likability wasn't really right. And it wasn't really well explored. And I didn't even know anything about that. So I make sure that you're aware of how you act and why you act the way you do so that you're able to know how to balance your relationship with each of these themes And really kind of, you know, sometimes you need to be liked. Sometimes you don't need to be liked. So at what point do you really know what strategies to adopt? So that's really what I wanted to make sure is not telling you what to do and how to act in certain situations, but giving you the tools to know how to change your situation faster than the outside world can change for you in in regards to all these themes. That's so funny. I remember when I was young in business, I was the opposite of you. I did not want to be liked. I wanted to be respected And so I went the polar opposite way, which was not the right way to go, but I was so tough and hard on people and created such concrete boundaries because I was so fearful that if they got to really know me or see that I am caring or that they'd want to take advantage of me or they wouldn't respect me, right? And I went off the rails the other way, which again, didn't benefit me and in business specifically until you find that balance of, you know, showing who you really are and that vulnerability coupled with boundaries and having a healthy respect for yourself and the job that you do and commanding that respect and culture that you're looking for in business. It definitely is a dance where many of us can fall. (laughs) That's why I'm all about like the, that's why I call it the glasses and balancing on the glass ledge because everything in life, every issue that we deal with, there is not one way or another that's always going to work in every situation. For example, my femininity, right? Like I was either not feminine, I was a tomboy growing up, or then with the beauty pageant, I was just like all feminine and I would just be that. And then when people started kind of making kind of comments and appropriate comments about just my appearance and femininity, I completely suppressed that. And I just left it alone. And I'm like, no, but you can use your femininity as a tool, you know, in the right situations, in the right way. If you find that balance of how you explore your relationship with your femininity and, you know, there are times where I ha- my masculine side has to step in. And then there are times where I have to show my feminine side as a leader. So again, like it's all about establishing that balance when it comes to different situations. But again, you can't establish that balance unless 
you build self-awareness. You need to know what triggers you, why you act the way you do, what situations you need to use this side or that side. And a lot of that takes practice. It takes a lot of self-work. And I think a lot of conversations we're uncomfortable of having with ourselves. My favorite quote is someone said that the most important conversations you'll have in your life are the ones you have with yourself. So make sure they're productive ones or positive ones. And so I think a lot of people don't really think about that at all. They are so busy talking to everyone else, minding everybody else's business, as opposed to taking time for themselves and checking in with themselves every now and then to see, why did I act that way yesterday? What what was that? What triggered me? Let me write it down and make sure that I understand it so I can address that issue better next time. And these are things that require a lot of maturity and patience and self-awareness, but it's easier not to do them and just continue being the way you are. And, And we always kind of blame it in the word that's my authentic self. But I talk about in the book, in my chapter on authenticity, is that we all have an authentic self and an adaptive self. And you need to know when to let which one lead. And they all need, they both need to be in sync. So sometimes you could, your authentic, my authentic self was not to be an entrepreneur or a CEO. I was, I had no business doing that. And that's not really what I would have chosen to do. But at the time, my adaptive self stepped in and said, you need to adapt because now you need to be a CEO and you need to learn how to be one as opposed to taking the easy road and saying, look, my authentic self is not to be this kind of leader and I'm just going to be who I am. No, we can change. And that's when adaptive selves take control over our actions and decisions. I hope everyone listening right now gets this message that I'm getting loud and clear, which is really about the word and instead of and in place of the word or, right? So for people who see Aman and say, she had to be a scientist or she could be a beauty queen. No, she was a scientist and a beauty queen, right? And just like you're talking about now with the book, showing there's two sides to everything. You don't have to pick one or the other. In fact, it's about that and, and that joining and that balance in different situations and different moments and and embracing both. People naturally, they swing to the whereas, why can't be this, and that I have to pick a side. And, and even like, I, I talk about this a lot and I think it's all out there in the press that I got is that the first question I've gotten in my first pageant was if you had to choose between being smart or pretty or smart or beautiful, which one would it be? And that's when it all clicked for me because I was never really like a one faceted person. I was always very multidimensional and I never was brought up with this idea that I had to choose between being things. And if I wanted to be both or multiple things, then it's possible, maybe not all at once and all not all at the same time, but it's okay to maybe realize along the way that this is no longer working for you and now you want to become this. And that's okay to pivot as well. And I've done that multiple times in my career. And I think that's really how I built my confidence actually along the way, because I was able to see that I was going to take on a new role that I had absolutely no experience in or no you know, precedent. And I built myself through it. And so that gave me the confidence to go into the next chapter of my life and be able to do the same thing. When I first stepped on that stage in pageant world, I was like, well, if I could walk on stage in front of thousands of people in a swimsuit and heels and be open to being judged. Like, guys, I'm literally here for you to judge me. (laughs) I can do anything, you know? And it's just like, you have to remind yourself of what you're capable of because other people will sure not remind you of that. And it's your responsibility. It's your choice to be able to say, I've been through this or I've overcome this. And because of that, I built the confidence to do this. 
Quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have, the more money you keep. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. I want you to know that finding ways to be more efficient, cut costs, and get rid of errors and mistakes can completely transform your business, boost your performance at the same time. This is why you need NetSuite now. Now, through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a -a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Head to netsuite.com slash Monahan. netsuite.com slash Monahan. NetSuite.com slash Monahan. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Our stories are very different, but very similar. When I hear you tell that story, it just reminds me of being fired and being told all you're good at is sales. All you're good at is sales leadership in corporate America. That's the lane you're supposed to be in. What are you going to do now? You got fired and you can't compete in that business. And I had to come to terms with myself that maybe there's more to me than this one lane, one job. Maybe there's other skills intrinsically within me that I can explore and tap into that I just never paid attention to before. And I've seen you evolve through this process, through all these changes and and the technology that you're now embracing in business and doing so many different things. And that is exactly that same path that I've been on. Okay, I can still be that person that's great in corporate America, but I can write a book and I can launch a podcast and I can jump into the unknown world of entrepreneurship as a rookie, having no expertise at it, and just make some mistakes and start figuring it out. And you're right, through those steps, through those low moments is what gives you that true confidence that no one can take from you. It's not something outside of you. It's something within that said, I built this from zero. I stepped into that unknown. And if I was able to get out there after getting fired and not knowing what I was going to do and build this company that I have today, I can do anything just like you in the swimsuit on, on that, you know, on that massive stage. It's a good reminder. And, and I think people, again, and I know you talk a lot about this with uh, fear of failure, which I know, I know we're all paralyzed by that. But look, everybody fails and that there is a reassurance to tell yourself that like, and you see people fail publicly much worse than we do. So if they can go through that, then we could easily do it as ourselves, especially if you're not someone who's living your life in public. And if you do fail, 
most of the time people are going to move on from it. Everyone has their own issues. No one's going to judge you for that or making mistakes because we're all doing it. And if I see someone, wow, built a company and it didn't work out, I don't sit here and like dwell and like laugh at it because I'm like, I have my own problems to go through as well. And I, maybe I'm about to fail as well, but it's like people just get in their own head and they think that they're like the center of the world and everybody's going to judge them and everybody's going to come at them with these comments. And, you know, they're going to say this or say that, but that now you're falling again, victim to the outside world expectation. And I think to me, the first thing I thought when I hit rock bottom in 2018 and I thought I lost the company and everything I built is that what are people going to think? But I didn't think, oh, I don't have any money in my bank account or that shit, my creditors are calling me, like asking, like, I didn't think any of that, which was the most important thing to figure out. All I thought was day and night, what are people going to say about me? Now it's embarrassing or, oh shit, like I've been talking about all these dreams of mine and now people are going to judge me for not being able to make it happen. It's all in my head. And I put this extra pressure on me and I'm already going through a lot. You know, I'm having anxiety around, all right, what's the next step in my career? And now I also have to feel like I need to be perfect for the outside world's expectation and live my life as what people expect out of me, which, you know, is not a healthy way at all to think or even just adapt as a strategy for your own life. So I had to slowly figure out how to stop caring about what people think about me. And it's, you know, it's to this day, sometimes you struggle with it, but you have to remind yourself, I don't care. And you know, who's a great, my brother is so great at that. Cause I call him every time I'm like, so this person emailed me and they asked for this. And I'm not sure what to say. They're like, who cares? Just tell them this and to fuck off. <laughs> I was like, I need someone, I need, you need a champion in your life that can constantly remind you that right now you're thinking about the wrong thing because what you're thinking has to do with what people think of you. And it's not the right question to ask. You're asking the wrong question, you know, and everything that you're thinking about should be about how to live purposefully, how to be fulfilled on your own, whether or not people see what you're doing, whether people are not aware of your accomplishment or lack thereof, you should be the one focusing on what actually fulfills your soul at the core, as opposed to how much money it makes you or how much followers you'll get from it or how much press or outside validation or how much hype you'll get from that. And I know early on, I made that mistake with when starting the company, because I just had this big chip on my shoulder that I had to prove myself all along. I was always doing things because I felt like they would give me more credibility to the outside world. And people are going to see me as a more competent or more credible or better. And it was just the wrong mentality to have. Obviously, yes, you should care about your reputation because that's important, but that's not the same thing as caring about what people think of you. Mm, That is so good. Mon, tell me who is the glass ledge for? I mean, I wrote it for every woman, no matter what, at what point she is on her journey women in business, professional women in corporate, graduate students, students in high school or college who are still trying to think about their future and what they want to do, even women at the peak of their careers and, and C-suite level, you know, it's just written in a way that it can always serve as some kind of reminder, or there's always lessons there that you can remind yourself of no matter what you've been through and no matter what your journey is or what your industry is or what your dreams are. So I really wanted it to be kind of encompassing of from you know a professional woman being ambitious in her career all the way to even a stay-at-home mom who's figuring out how to be a better mom for her children and how to also balance her dreams and ambitions with her new motherhood. Well, I am so excited for you. I am so proud of you. And I can't wait for everybody to get their hands on this book. Where can everybody find it? 
Yeah. So it's available on Amazon, which I feel like is everyone's go-to for book purchases, but it's also available on Barnes and Noble and every other retailer that you can think of. You can just type up the glass ledge Amazon. It'll pop up. Also, it's all over my social media. If you want to follow me at, at Iman Ubu, I-M-A-N-O-U-B-O-U. And there will be a website for the book coming up this week, the glassledge.com. So that's going to have all the information that you need about the book signings and book tours and events and also sign now for my newsletter for more tips and advice. Oh my gosh. Get in the community, get the book. You will not regret it. This book is really just like you were describing. You reach out to your brother when you need someone to pick you up. This book is that pick me up. So you need it. Get, be your own champion. Get the glass ledge now until next week. Keep creating your confidence. You know, we will be too. Come on this journey with me. Hi, I'm here to tell you about a new podcast that I am so excited about. Negotiate Your Best Life, hosted by Rebecca Zung, a part of the Yap Media Network. As a globally renowned narcissist negotiation expert and an attorney recognized by U.S. News as a best lawyer in America, Rebecca shares her invaluable insights and strategies for navigating life's toughest negotiations. By drawing from her own experiences and the wisdom of her high-profile guests, such as Bob Proctor, Mark Victor Hansen, John Gordon, and Rebecca delivers empowering advice that will inspire you to reclaim control of your life. Negotiate Your Best Life is all about how to negotiate your way to greatness. She provides practical guidance on how to break free from toxic relationships, stand up against injustice, and transform chaos into freedom, possibility, and purpose. Many times, the first negotiation you do is with your own in the morning. In the morning is when you wake up, and that's when Negotiate Your Best Life is time for you. It's about to find your way to greatness, conquering obstacles, and creating the life you truly deserve. Get ready to slay thrive and unlock your full potential. Don't believe me? I'm going to go ahead and share some of the reviews that are out there so you can hear and you can believe too. You have helped me so much these last few weeks. I was with a narcissist for two years. She drove me to the point I wanted to take my own life. Listening to you has made a massive difference, and now I know what I'm with. Thank you, Rebecca. Now the recovery. Thank you for gifting the knowledge to believe in myself again. You have unknowingly helped me legally represent myself through criminal, federal, and civil court proceedings with a narcissist. There would be so many people around the world that you're helping without even knowing like me. You saved my life. Emma, 35 years old, Australia. If you are ready to stand up against injustice and transform the chaos in your life into freedom, possibility, and purpose, then check out Negotiate Your Best Life now. Subscribe to Negotiate Your Best Life with Rebecca Zung on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform.